Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Matt Pulisic, welcome to the Center of the Universe. Appreciate you joining us tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Where are you from originally, Matt? Originally from Long Island, New York, a small town called Center Reach. Long, Long Island's a Long big Island. place. A lot, a lot of people live there. How, what's the population roughly these days? Uh, well, I couldn't tell you. Um, it's got to be millions. Not though, right? good on my numbers. Probably yes. Yeah. And when you were a kid, it's packed. It's just as crowded, you know, then as it is now. I don't think its population has probably changed too much. And it's super expensive. Super expensive. Yes. What was it like growing up there when you were like nine, ten years old? Uh, it was it was great. You know, we lived in a, a small neighborhood. You know, back in the day. We were outside playing sports all the time. You know, you can leave your house. Your parents didn't know where you were and you were safe. You know, you were either playing hockey or basketball or baseball or soccer in the street somewhere or someone's backyard. Um, Gone for hours and hours. And, you know, you knew it was time to get home for dinner. As long as you're home for dinner, everything was okay. Yeah, you, you I, I failed to mention Silent Rob's with us tonight, uh, and that's how I connected to you was through Rob Dole. Yep. Um, Rob and I have talked about it plenty of times where it was awesome to just leave the house in the morning yep. and then come back for dinner time and everybody was cool. Yeah, we, we did that uh, so many times, and uh, sometimes we did it too much. There was, I remember one time uh, out in my front yard, as a matter of fact, um, we were playing soccer, and my mother called us in for dinner. And we didn't come in because we kept playing, and she kept calling us, and we we didn't come in. And um, you might get a weird perception of my mother with this one story. Um, she came out with a knife <laughs> and grabbed the soccer ball and proceeded to try and deflate the soccer ball. But you can imagine challenging to put a knife through a ball. Even a really sharp knife. Yes. Um, so she wasn't successful. But we got um, her point, and we <laughs> proceeded to go in the house and finished our game and had she, dinner. She definitely made the point. She made the point. And yes. did you keep playing games or and days afterwards? Um, we always played. We never stopped playing. So uh, we just made sure we were in the house and on time for dinner. Yeah, I, I'm glad that, that story went uh, knife to ball, not knife somewhere else. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that would be yeah. a very different story. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Uh, you played soccer in college. We'll, we'll come back to that in a little bit. Okay. But was soccer your thing from an early age? Um, I played everything from an early age. I played basketball. I played baseball. Um, we played roller hockey back then and something called deck hockey where you just played with sneakers on mm. and there were competitive leagues. Oh, uh, really? Yes, there mm. were. Um, and then I played soccer as well and kind of stuck with soccer more through high school. And started dropping the other sports, and that's why I continued to play soccer in college. My dad was born and raised in, at the time, what was Yugoslavia, Hmm. now Croatia. He came in here in his mid-20s, so he kind of was what sparked our interest in soccer, because obviously in Europe that was... That was the number one sport and remains the number one sport today. But by far, that's been by true far. for decades, right? Yeah, by far. Uh, so it, it was really the family influence that led you to soccer. Family influence, yes. And my mother's family was Italian. Her parents were born in Italy. Um, so both Italian and Croatian family members, soccer was kind of a big part of our family. Was your, your mom born here? Born in she Italy? was born in Brooklyn, in, born okay. in Brooklyn, New York, yeah. Well, so since we're uh, talking about this for posterity, how did your parents meet? Um, At a dance in New York City. Um, My dad was fresh off the boat, and my mother saw this um, European guy that she didn't want to have anything to do with, and one thing led to another, and they got married. Did he speak English at the time? He spoke broken English at the time, yes. But he ended up picking it up. Ended up picking it up a lot better, obviously, later, yeah. So you, you were raised by one immigrant parent, yep. and then your your mom was born here, but yes. she was raised by immigrant parents Correct. herself. What was that like growing up with immigrant uh, it, grandparents and parents? It was, it was great. Um, obviously, food was a big part of our family life, um, having dinners together having meals together, um, having 
uh, family members on together on weekends for dinner and all the major holidays you had multiple family members together at somebody's house and everything revolved around a nice Italian meal. So it was so Italian focused. It was it? primarily Italian. The Croatian food um, was kind of similar to the Italian food. There was some specific things that my dad preferred, but it was mostly the Italian side that was cooking the food. So that was a good thing. Croatia is just across the, the water. Just across. There. If you're looking at um, you know a map, Italy comes down as a peninsula. You have the Adriatic Sea to the east of that. And then the next coastline is Croatia. It's beautiful. It's like, gorgeous. It's gorgeous. I've been there numerous times. Uh, my dad um, was born and raised on a small island called Olib, um, O-L-I-B. Uh, that island is just off the coast of Croatia in the Adriatic Sea. You can only get there by ferry. Mm. We still have a house there today as I speak um, that uh, my brothers and I are, and my cousin who's over there, own together it's it's beautiful that's really really cool why, it is. why do most and my impression could be wrong but most americans when they think of traveling to europe they think england france germany italy they don't typically think croatia is there a reason for that um you know that i'm not sure but i do hear a lot of people are starting to hear more about croatia just because of its beautiful coastline right um there's some other cities dubrovnik is one of them that's on the coast oh it's of beautiful croatia that is just gorgeous so so I think people are starting to, you know, go there more, travel there more. Um, I think maybe when it was Yugoslavia, you know, a little communist control at the time. Right. So maybe that was one reason why it wasn't as well traveled. But now in war thirty ish years yeah, ago, yeah, yeah. So now it's more um, more popular place to go. That's really cool that you've been yeah. back several times. Yeah, I have. I have. I took. Um, I went with my dad when I was in middle school the first time. Um, his parents were there. My grandparents got to see them. They came over here once or twice to visit us and then took my dad back as he was getting older. He couldn't travel by himself. And it was really, really fabulous to go back there. This island is just gorgeous. You go to this island to do absolutely, absolutely nothing. There are no cars on the island. There are mm-hmm. no roads on the island. It started out all dirt paths between the house, and then years later they were able to put some concrete down. So basically it's concrete sidewalks all throughout this island. You walk everywhere you go. There's just a couple hundred homes there. There's probably only about 100 people that live there in the wintertime. But in the summertime, a lot of Croatians who live in the United States, Croatians who live elsewhere, will go there back to their houses that they have and spend the summer there. They built a big pier and a lot of Italians and Germans that have yachts and big boats will sail up and down the Adriatic in the summers, and they'll dock their boats at our island and spend a few nights there. So it's a lot of fun. There's a few restaurants that open up in the summer. And so food on the island is all ferried there? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically, yeah. There, I mean, there's people have you know their own gardens and things like that, but food is mostly brought in. Uh, that sounds extremely relaxing, and it also sounds like it could be fun uh, as it, well. It is. It's. Um, it was nice, a lot of fun when I went with my dad um, just to see the love that he had for that island and to see the people that were still living there, their reaction to seeing my dad the first time he stepped off the ferry. Um, it just put a spark in my dad's eyes. As much as he loved the United States, you always love your home. And it was just, I was so proud and happy to see that spark in his eyes. He passed away about 14 months ago. Oh, wow. Sorry Um, for that. I have not um, been back there since he passed away, but I do need to go and check on this house. And I I believe it or not, all these years, my wife has not been. Wow. And, you know, we've we've been married 30 years, and my goal is to get her there and see it. Oh, she'll love it. Yeah, she'll love it. I'm surprised she hasn't uh, said, hey, let's go. Yeah, it's just with the kids growing up, it was just hard to, you know, get the entire family there. And for us to leave the kids, it wasn't, you know, a good thing to do at the time. But now we're looking forward to making that trip. Did your dad come to the States in his mid-20s because there was just the land of opportunity? That was the idea? Basically, yes. He had a relative that was here and he wanted to try and do something more with his life. He ended up doing some university 
um, schooling in Zagreb, which is the capital of Croatia, and then finished his schooling. He was an engineer um, at NYU in New York City. Mm. Oh, very so, cool. Yeah, and worked as a, a mechanical engineer and a carpenter his entire life. Wow. Uh, most people that are from that part of the world, Italy, Croatia, mm-hmm. and countries that touch those two, New York is the destination almost yeah. exclusively. Yep. I guess New York has just always had this international fame for being the place you go. Yeah, you know, I never, you know, my dad had relatives here, and I guess, like you said, that's probably the place that people in Europe know more about, and it's a little easier to get to from Europe as opposed to landing somewhere on the East Coast and then traveling far. Um, so he stayed in New York because of family mostly. Family and, yeah, but, but New York has always been sort of, uh, people don't call it this, but a microcosm of Europe in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, exactly. So um, he was in the city, New York City, for a number of years until he met my mom and they married and moved out to Long Island Okay, um, years later. So. A lot, lot of families do that. Yeah. Especially exactly. for second-generation yeah. families. Yeah. Very cool. All right, so soccer, was it something more about soccer than just it was a big thing for your dad? What, was there something about the sport itself that really gravitated? Um, you know, you? probably it was something that maybe I excelled at a little bit better than the other sports, so that's probably the reason why I gravitated towards that. Uh, were you more offense-minded or defense-minded? More By the way, I'm out of my depth here. I don't know that's fine. about soccer. That's fine. Uh, more offensive-minded. Um, yeah, I was playing on the wing, so I was uh, able to use both my left foot and right foot, which is uh, definitely a skill that's needed um, when you're playing soccer. So I had the advantage of being able to do that fairly well. And you were playing from a young, very young age? From, yes, 8, 9, 10 years old, something like that, yeah. Yeah, and I imagine you're pretty fast if you're playing wing on offense. Well, relatively speaking, um, I was okay. Let's leave it at that. Okay. Right. I was a smart player. How about that? Uh, smart's sometimes better than being exactly. fast. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it's more useful most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right, so you, you're, you're growing up in Long Island. And by the way, were, did you spend time doing anything uh, not related to sports or school? Um, Any fun well, hobbies or interests you had? Uh, no, we would fish. My dad enjoyed fishing growing up on an island. Um, so we had some family members that had boats, and we would go out in the Long Island Sound, you know, between Long Island and Connecticut, and do a lot of fishing. That's one thing that we did up there. Uh, there's not a lot of hunting happening on Long Island, at least where I was. So when I came to Virginia and learned how much people hunt, that was very new to me. Um, but we did fish quite a bit. What did, what did you catch in the Long Island Sound? A lot of bluefish, blackfish, snapper, which is more like a baby bluefish kind of thing. Good eating. Good eating, very good eating. That's, yeah. that's all my dad did was bring it home, and if we caught it, we ate it. So when did you know you were going to go to college? Um, I ended up going to an all-boys Catholic high school starting in ninth grade. And it was kind of a college preparatory school. Right. Um, so they really kind of pushed folks, you know, going to get an advanced degree, going away to college. Um, my, right before my senior year of high school, I broke my leg playing soccer in, in the summer. And back then, they played high school soccer in the fall. So I missed my senior year Ooh. of uh, high school soccer. So I kind of had to recruit myself. Um, there was a kid from my school that went to Randolph-Macon a year ahead of me and played lacrosse down here. Um, so I wanted to go away from home. I wanted to go to a small school. Back then, Randolph-Macon was Division Two in soccer, so it was a little higher level. Um, I visited the school, visited the campus, kind of liked what I saw, and here I am. The campus, relative to what it's like now, is, has to seem tiny. Night and day difference. It's, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of exploded the last yeah. 15, 20 years. Yeah, what, what the administration has done uh, on campus has been fabulous. I'm very involved in the school and uh, what they've done. It's just a beautiful campus, the buildings that they've added, the fields that they've changed their location and adding turf fields. It's night and day compared to what it was when I was there. I mean, the football stadium is unbelievable relative to what you experienced what you saw when you went there it was like big metal bleachers on yeah. one side of the field no i can't believe that there are many division three football stadiums that look nicer than what we have 
especially now with the Duke, new Duke Hall mm. that's being built. You know, the field is going to be surrounded on three sides by a, a building and just makes it look um, kind of more of a smaller, um, close environment. Kind of, kind of like Duke basketball. Exactly. In their place. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's uh, I, I have I am ashamed to admit this. I've lived very close to Randolph Macon most of my life. I have not been to an, uh, a football game since they built all of that. Yeah, well, you, you should go. You should try and go. Definitely catch one of the Hampton Sydney games. That's probably the most exciting of all of them. So yeah, yeah and we've had Pedro on the podcast. You have, yeah, I, I'm I, sure. I think I owe it to Pedro to, to go to at least one game. Yeah, you probably should. Don't tell him you haven't been to a game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well. I, yeah, not one of his games. I went way back in the day, yeah. back probably when you were there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've mentioned Randolph making a couple times. Uh, I'd, I'd be remiss. Normally, at this point, we would say, "Hey, do you know Barkley DePriest?" Of course, everybody knows Barkley <laughs> DePriest. Is she like the uh, everybody's mom kind of thing on campus? She appears to be. She knows everybody and knows a lot about everybody, and she knows a lot about everything that's happening on that campus. If there's something you need to know, you ask Barkley. She uh, she always makes me smile when I see her. Too. Yeah, that's the other thing about her. She's fabulous. Yeah, yeah, she's fabulous. She's a great lady. Yeah. Uh, Rob and I were very fortunate to grow up. Like we knew her when we were five, six years old. Yeah, very cool. All right, so soccer. You you said you recruited yourself. You, you knew a guy that was already down here, so you said, "Hey, I'll I'll go check it out because he's told me good things about it." Mm-hmm. it Basically, yeah, you know, I wanted to go away from home, like I said, go somewhere small. Um, I think I was with my mom and another friend of hers and their daughter, and we did a few trips, um, visited some schools down in the south, Elon and High Point, um, stopped by Duke University as well, and then we stopped at Randolph-Macon just briefly just to look at it. Because it was on the way kind of thing? Because it was on the way kind of thing, and then that's when I started talking to... um, people on campus the coach specifically about coming down on a recruiting trip i do have a funny story about my recruiting trip if you don't mind sharing it so this was february of my senior year of high school which was february 1983 and i was planning on taking the train from penn station new york city down to richmond the train station in Ashland wasn't open at the time. Staples Mill Station was where it was. The Staples Mill Station. Yep. So I took the Long Island Railroad into Penn Station, and as this was going on, a snowstorm started. And I'm down in Penn Station, and it's snowing like crazy. And I get word, and this was before cell phones, so I must have called my mother or something. And she's telling me, that the soccer coach, Helmut Werner. Mm, that's, um, that's right. I've not heard that name in a long coach time. Coach Werner had called her and canceled the recruiting weekend because Richmond area was getting dumped on. The entire East Coast was getting dumped on. With I snow. remember this story. Okay. So now I'm basically getting on the train. So what, somehow, I forget the specific details, but now I'm on the train. And there were like three train loads of people three different trains were heading south but it ended up two of them were canceled so it was one train load of people on three train loads of people on one train heading Mm. south so it was packed okay i had a stand all right so finally after about 10 hours or so i arrive in richmond and we were it was a slow ride because we had to stop constantly because because of the because high of snow. the snow yeah because of the snow it was miserable it was one of the worst days of my life at that time I get to the train station in Richmond on a Friday night planning on leaving return trip on Sunday I'm at the train station on Friday and I said I am never coming to this place again <laughs> in my life I'm going to sit in the train station on Friday and sleep here until Sunday and go back on Sunday. I'm sitting there in a train station and some random girl comes up to me and says, are you a recruit? And I never thought of myself as that, but I put two and two together. And she's like, Randolph Macon? And I said, yes. She's like, come with me. My boyfriend's out in the car. Her boyfriend was on the soccer team. Mm. They were picking me up. So I went in their car and we drove from Staples Mills to Ashland. And I've never saw more snow in my life 
because it was not plowed. Right. right. There was snow everywhere. There were three plows in Richmond at the time. There was snow everywhere. It was unbelievable. So I finally get to campus, and they brought me to the Theta Chi house. And here I am. There's a bunch of guys sitting in the TV room, hanging out, relaxing. And so that was the start of my weekend. Played a little soccer, indoor soccer with some of the guys. Met the coach briefly. And... Here I am, still in Ashland. <laughs> so that's how that started out. Yeah, I was going to say, that was, uh, what, 38, 39 years ago? Something like that, yeah, a long time ago. That's a and, great, that's and a great now story. I, now I live and work in Ashland, and I'm probably going to be here the rest of my life. Yeah, uh, at, there's, Ashland's a special place. You, yeah. you've, you've landed in a very good place. No, uh, we, my wife and I know that. This is our home. Yeah, so the, the normal terrain ride takes about six hours when, when there's no snow. Yeah, yeah uh, it was miserable. I think the first two hours I sat in the bathroom because it was the only seat there was available. I felt guilty with people jiggling the door. I finally <laughs> decided to get out and let people use the bathroom. Well, I was going to say, I mean, three train loads of people on one train, yeah. that, that probably felt like you were on the New York subway. Exactly. But for 10 hours. Yeah. It was it was miserable. I, I really I really wanted to go home. But he got turned around. Do you remember the young lady and uh, her boyfriend? Do you remember their names? Um, the gentleman on the team his name is jeff schellenberger he when i was a freshman he was a senior and he is to this day one of my best friends Mm. he was just at my house last weekend visiting me that's super cool yeah his girlfriend at the time is not his wife now so probably should not say her name (laughs) even if i can remember it i don't remember (laughs) yeah we'll go we'll go with you don't remember (laughs) all right so uh you end up coming down to randolph macon because you had that, that weekend ended up being a, being sounds great. like a, a yep. great experience. Uh, and what was it like coming to Randolph Macon as a freshman? Um, honestly, it was very different. I, I, there were some things I didn't expect. When I grew up in Long Island, New York, we learned about the Civil War for about two or three days in fourth grade, and that was all we ever talked about it. And I came down here, and people are talking about North versus South. We were having... Um, contest on the soccer practice field and it was all the guys from the north versus all the guys from the south it's a pretty even split uh yeah i think we had to count maryland there was some argument whether (laughs) the guys from maryland were from the south or the north they threw them into the north just to make sure the north had enough guys okay um so the the whole north versus south thing and civil war thing was a big surprise for me um I was just surprised at how important that was to some people, surprised at how some people couldn't let it go. Um, so I had to be careful, you know, things I said, because obviously I kind of disagreed with some of the beliefs that the Southern people had, um, but I just kind of kept my mouth quiet. The other thing is I'm Catholic, and that's a, kind of a big part of my um, background and I felt like I was a minority uh, being Catholic and people kind of looked down on me at the time for being Catholic. Mm. I think it's much better now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Much better now. That's really not an issue now. Um, that kind of surprised me in, in Long Island for the most part. Um, you were either Catholic or Jewish. There weren't too many other. Um, not a lot, of, not, ba- not a lot of Baptists. Not a lot there. of Baptists there. Yeah. Um, so those those two things, the North-South thing and then the the Catholicism thing was kind of a big surprise, but obviously was not bad enough, significant enough for me to want to turn around and go home. Mostly words. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's funny. My, uh, I, I think Rob and I knew one Catholic, yeah. Coco, maybe yeah. two, maybe two families that were Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, I, I'm now married to a Catholic from Jersey, Italian yeah. Catholic. At exactly. Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my kids are Catholic. Well, good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. The the South versus North thing. I think it's mostly out of the fact that most people in the South, and I think this is probably true for a lot of people in the North, that they don't really leave their own communities. They they weren't very worldly, so they just knew what had been yeah. taught in school or what their friends were talking about, what their parents were talking about, and like that was their worldview, and it was not informed by outside influences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, and I think we actually live where things happened, where you know battles occurred, where the war took place. You know, not a lot happened on Long Island, as far as I know. So I don't think um, anything happened on exactly. Long Island. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, that, that was a little different. Yeah, you went to college 20-minute 20 20 minute drive away from the Capitol. Yeah. But to your point, it, we, we were 
by the time you went to Randolph Macon, we were five or six generations past mm-hmm. that uh, dark part of our American history. So yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I wish people had moved on. But there's still people that are not super worldly about it. But the good news is they're a much smaller uh, entity than they were back then. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, you were going to school. Did you know what you wanted to do in school? When you were- um, I always knew that I had interest in like anatomy and physiology. I wasn't 100% sure how I was going to put that together. As a couple of years went by, I thought maybe I would get into athletic training where you work specifically with high school or college teams or professional teams. Um, And then my senior year at Randolph-Macon during J-term, I did an internship in a physical therapy clinic and realized that this is something that I can do uh, that involves anatomy physiology, biomechanics, sports medicine, but I can also have a little bit more of a life on the weekends Mm. um, and maybe at night uh, where I'd be allowed to more easily have a family and get involved in my kids' activities and coaching and things like that. Um, So when I did that internship, um, it kind of opened my eyes to physical therapy and kind of sparked my interest in that you said j term most people don't know what that means i i I happen to know what it means but could you describe uh j so at randolph macon there's uh the fall semester um you know starting labor day through christmas and then in the spring spring semester doesn't start till like the second week in february and during the month of january during uh four weeks each uh student will take one class and they'll have that one class five days a week. It's a two-hour class for the most part. And that covers that one month's time, covers an entire semester. It's worth of work. And that's a three-credit course. It's a three-credit course. Um, So Randolph-Macon kids typically take four in the fall, one in J-term, and then four classes in the spring. But it's also a good opportunity for students to do internships right? like I did. Um, students will also do study abroad during J-term, too. It allows a good time for that. And allows them to focus on one thing and on one J-term. class, exactly. Yeah, it, and it actually led you to what you did as a post Yeah, and internships are fabulous, and we recommend that for all the students. I have every semester, not just J-term, but first and second semester, I have students in my clinic. Randolph making students doing internships, uh, but J term is a good time to just focus on that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it, it makes you wonder why other schools haven't adopted that. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I think it's worked well for Randolph making. Maybe sets them apart a little bit. Yeah, from other schools. And they've had it for for a really forever. long time. Yeah, forever. Back when my first two years at Randolph making, it was May term, uh, and then my junior year they switched it to J term. Um, I think it ended up being a little bit too much play term mm. um, because the weather was so nice. Right. Um, so they switched it to J term. That was a good move. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, you mentioned Helmet Werner's name earlier. Tell me your recollections of, of Helmet. Uh, coach Werner was a fabulous soccer coach. Um, he really um, did a good job uh, at um, – evaluating the teams that we were going to play and preparing for those teams specifically. Um, So I really uh, liked the way he did his game preparation. Um, He was demanding, um, but he um, knew, you know, knew what he was doing. He was very loyal to the program and his players were very loyal to him. He was there a long time. He was there a long time. He was, I forget exactly, but when I was there, he was coaching there longer than, you know, I was in my 20s. He was longer than I was alive at the time. And I think it might be in the 40-year range, something like that, that he coached. Uh, Did he do other things on campus, or was he the full-time soccer coach? Um, He was full-time soccer coach, but I think earlier on, the coaches had some other responsibilities, like teaching a phys ed class. So I know he had to do some physical education kinds of things. I think at some point he had um, a position. His title was athletic director, maybe mm. for a few years. Okay, that's right. He was yeah. the AD. Yeah. But primarily men's soccer coach. 
So eighty three, you graduated in eighty high school in eighty three. Graduated around making eighty seven. So from eighty three to eighty seven, where did the soccer team play their games? Um, we played. It was called Blinko Field. Um, so the last dorm, the the one story dorms that we used to call the motels mm-hmm. back in the day, the very last one closest to the school board, Hanover School Board, that's called Bennett Dorm. If you walk out that door across the street, you would have walked into the goal, okay. one of the goals. Gotcha. So now it's kind of they redesigned that and they moved that street. I forget the name of that street that's behind the baseball field. Right. That street actually used to be maybe 100 yards south, further south than what it is now near Andrew's dorm. Right. The dorm that's on that one end zone of the soccer field. Where do they play now, the soccer they team? They play on the other side of the railroad tracks, um, across the tracks near the women's softball field. There's a soccer field. Past the, uh, the old tennis courts. Correct. Where they, it's basically a yes. parking lot now where the tennis courts are. Yes, yeah. that's where they play. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah. the athletic program across all of the sports at Randolph-Macon – since the mid-'80s to now, it has to be a, a, an insane journey to, to think about. Yeah, you know, they, they've really um, – the administration has done a lot to support athletics, not only the administration but the alumni. Um, you know, the alumni are really good at donating to the uh, athletic uh, club, the Yellow Jacket Club, and that financial support that goes to the Yellow Jacket Club um, provides a significant amount of funds to support all men's and women's programs. Yeah, the alums are uh, very, very loyal. They are, and I forget the, uh, I, I should know this, um, but Randolph-Macon is like in the top 25 in the country for percentage of alumni support. Mm. So it's a very high number of alumni who financially support the college. That's got to be a huge point of pride, and I imagine the president of Randolph-Macon mentions that from time I to think, time. I think he does use that quite a bit. <laughs> As he yeah. should. Yes. As he should. All right, yeah. so you're looking forward to graduation. What do, you, what, what do you plan to do after you graduate? When I was at Randolph-Macon, yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so the clinic that I did my internship in um, offered me a job as a physical therapy aide. So my plan was to take a gap year before I went on to physical therapy school. So I worked at that clinic. So that was one advantage, another advantage of the internship that it provided me with a a job right out of college. So I worked, I moved to Richmond. Uh, The clinic was in the West End. So over near Regency Mall, that Mm -hmm. area. So I lived over there, uh, worked at that clinic for a year applied to physical therapy school, was accepted to the program at MCV, Mm. ECU, and started the following year, went to physical therapy school at VCU. It's VCU now. Back then it was MCV. Yeah. Yeah. I still make that mistake. When I have a VCU student, I usually will introduce them as an MCV student to my patients. And the VC student looks at me like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> so. Yeah, it's crazy to think that that's uh, nobody, younger folks don't even know they that that was a thing. Yeah, they don't know that at all. It's it's It never comes up. It's always VCU. Yeah, there's some story behind uh, the president of VCU. And, and MCV's always been part of VCU. Correct. They just had yes. their own name and they had pride in their own yeah. name. But there was a, a bad accident at the Richmond NASCAR race. And they went. The driver went to MCV, and um, they said CNN was r- reporting on it. And there was another event, like the DC sniper, that whole okay. thing. And, and yeah. the guy that was shot in Ashland ended up going to MCV, and they said they were at the UVA Medical Center. Oh, really? <laughs> and it drove the president of VCU crazy because that—that's it. We <laughs> yeah. are calling it VCU from here yeah. on out. Yeah, yeah, they've changed it a while ago, so it works for them. Yeah, it's well. VCU's got a good brand name, and they've yeah. they've done a lot themselves. Yep. for sure. Uh, what was your experience like going to uh, MCV at the time? Uh, it was great. The program was hard, um, but it was easier for me because I enjoyed it, and I could see that there was a goal at the end of the program. So, very challenging, but I enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, what it, what about it specifically did you really enjoy? It was fun being in that medical environment knowing that I was getting into the medical field. It was interesting to me to see all the different uh, fields of medicine, 
um, the pharmacy school, the dental school, the medical school, and being around all those, um, you know, medical practitioners. Uh, I just enjoyed being in that environment. Yeah, uh, there's something about understanding how the human body works. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating to me. Um, there weren't too many physical therapy programs at the time that had cadaver anatomy. Mm. Um, so we were very fortunate in the physical therapy program to have an entire semester of cadaver anatomy. So that, you know, really helped um, give you a better understanding of what you were doing by going through those labs. So, so when you were at some point during uh, your time at MCV, what was your idea for what we're going to do after school? Uh, I always had interest in orthopedics and sports medicine. So the clinic that I did my internship in um, specialized in orthopedics and sports medicine. Um, I developed a good relationship, a great relationship with the owner. The owner was a physical therapist. It was a private practice. I was very fortunate during my schooling at MCV that he offered me a job. So he told me when I graduate that I can come back and have a job as a physical therapist there. So I was very lucky knowing when I was in school that I was going to have a job um, waiting for me when I was done. Um, it's a good feeling. It was, it was great. So I ended up working at that clinic. It was called Tuckahoe Physical Therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a very close relationship with the doctors at Tuckahoe Orthopedics. Uh, the doctors used to own the physical therapy practice, but then my friend, the physical therapist, bought the practice from them, and he was the owner, but they still had a very good professional relationship. So for me, early in my career, I worked there for 10 years. I was able to develop a fabulous relationship with many, many orthopedic surgeons, and that really, really helped propel my career. Uh, In what ways did it propel your career? Um, They saw what skills I had, and they had um, great comfort in referring their patients to me. Okay. Um, So that is um, the primary way, but then also just the educational opportunities that I had to learn from these guys um, really helped me uh, allow me to do um, a much better job with my patients. So as a physical therapist, uh, especially if you have your own clients, um, yep. you're an entrepreneur, whether you intended to be or not effectively, or or did you not feel like an entrepreneur early on when you were in your 20s and 30s? Well, when I was working at Tuckahoe Physical Therapy, I didn't necessarily you know, feel like an entrepreneur. There's a lot of um, risks that you take when you're an entrepreneur. I didn't have some of those risks. Um, a lot of pressures that I didn't have. My primary concerns at that time was just trying to be the best physical therapist I could be and learn and figure out the best ways to help my patients. Um, so I think that really um, helped me um, to where I am today. So the first 10 years, it was primary patient care was my primary concern. And then when I went out on my own, I still had to worry about patient care, but I was able to, you know, take on some other responsibilities as a business owner. All right, we'll come back to the business aspect. Um, when you and I are saying the term physical therapy, for you, did that mean every form of physical therapy, or was there a, a focus for you? For me, it was only the orthopedics and sports medicine, outpatient orthopedic and sports medicine. There are different areas of physical therapy. My wife is a pediatric physical therapist. Mm-hmm. Her patients are zero to 12 months old. Oh, wow. So very, very different population than what I'm treating. I could not do what she does, nor could she do what I do. So when you say orthopedic, is, does that mean joints? It means joints, musculoskeletal problems. So um, anything from head to toe, neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, um, knee pain, post-operative care, you know, shoulder surgery, rotator cuff repair, um, knee surgery, ACL, things like that. So any musculoskeletal um, condition that a patient may have, we are well trained to take care of that. So post-injury, post-surgery, or just random pain, unexplained the cause sort Correct. of thing? Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so at what point did you know you wanted to uh, start your own business? When I was, uh, you know, those first 10 years I was working for my friend, um, kind of that 
last couple of years working for him, he was getting to a point to where he was going to sell his business. Um, he was such a great friend and a mentor of mine. Um, he kind of suggested and kind of pushed me to open my own business. He gave me the confidence uh, to do that and thought I'd be successful at it. I trusted him from day one, and so I took him up on it. And 10 years into it, I decided at the time that he sold to go ahead and start my own business. It was a, as good a time as any to do it. Yeah. Uh, did you say his name earlier? I, don't... I did not. His name is Joe Suter. Okay. Is Joe still, still around? Joe's still around. He lives in Richmond. Uh, we talk every month or two. He's retired um, and still a mentor to this day. Lifelong friend and mentor. Lifelong friend, family friends. His wife, my wife, her friends, we get together. Great person. I, uh, there are three people in the world I owe my life to. It's my parents and Joe Suter. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's, uh, you're saying a lot there. With yeah. That. Um, he, he knows that. I've tried to tell him that, and um, hopefully he hears this someday. Yeah, it's important uh, for people to know the kind of impact they're having yeah. on other people. It yes. sounds like Joe had a tremendous impact on Tremendous, you. yeah. And I've, I've tried to do the same for um, physical therapists younger than myself that I've kind of mentored along the way. So he set a good example for me. We'll have to make sure Joe listens to this. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you enjoy more, uh, the actual physical therapy or running a business? I, I think I know the answer. To this the question, actual but, physical therapy. Yeah. You know. um, in the beginning, I was treating patients 40 hours a week. Um, I opened, my first office was in Richmond on Cutshaw Avenue, Richmond Physical Therapy. It took me a while to come up with that name, but I finally, <laughs> I finally did. Use my naming uh, yeah. convention, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I opened that in October of 2000. I was uh, in the clinic by myself. I was going out uh, marketing every doctor I knew. Um, you know, for 10 years, I had seen patients from a number of doctors. So I went to them and I said, Hey, look, I'm still working. I'm just at a different location. If you have a patient, you think they can, um, you know, use my help, send them my way. So over time that grew and grew and grew. And I hired, uh, a few more therapists. And I think at one point we probably had four of us. Um, in 2005, I just, decided to open a clinic in Ashland, but let me step back. So when I was working for Joe, he knew my ties to the Ashland area and Randolph-Macon. So he opened a clinic in Ashland, and we were in the Henry Clay Shopping Center. Mm -hmm. There's a physical therapy clinic there now as we speak. I actually opened that clinic and designed that myself. Okay. So it was Tuckahoe Physical Therapy back around... 1995 or 96. Um, let me take a step back even further. This is even funnier. The very first clinic that Joe and I opened, he owned, was in uh, Trackside Grill. Mm. So if you walk in Trackside and you make a left to go to the bathroom, yep. that little, you walk down that ramp, that little section there was my very first physical therapy clinic that I had in Ashland. So you can imagine, Rob knows how big the clinic I have now is compare the size of that place at Trackside to what I have in Ashland. It's been tremendous growth. The rest of that building, was it being used for something else? Well, the rest of the building used to be a gym. I don't know if you guys remember I this. I do it's remember that. Workout I remember, Wonder I remember gym. the guy who owned Workout Wonder. Well, I don't remember yes. his name, but I remember the, yeah, the character. I, I know his name, the character. Um, good person. So he had some exercise equipment that our relationship was that I can use some of that equipment with my patients. Mm. So I was in that gym, Wow Gym, Workout Wonder. And then we moved over to the Henry Clay Shopping Center and the gym was in the shopping center and I had a little bigger piece of the gym. And then I went, then we went out on our own and moved a couple doors down uh, to where that other physical therapy clinic is today. Okay. So I was there for a few years until 2000 until my boss Joe sold the clinic. And that's when I went out, opened my office in Richmond in 2000. And then in 2005, I missed Ashland. I lived up here. 
I missed treating the Randolph-Macon kids. I still saw some of them, but it was difficult for them to drive to Richmond. So in 2005, I opened Ashland Physical Therapy. Wow. In the location in the Ashland Hanover Shopping Center, yeah. where I am today. That's, uh, you, you were taking me back. That was nostalgic for me. Yeah. The workout wonder guy. What's his right. name? Uh, Kurt. Yeah, Kurt. Kurt. Um, drawing a blank on his last name. Yeah, he, he was a he was a big guy physically, and he was a big character, too. Correct. You're 100% correct. <laughs> well, that that building has been used for all kinds of things. I think it was a five and dime when Rob and I were kids. And then Wasn't it, it a movie theater originally? Yeah, something, it, yeah, like, something that, like that. Think, something yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Lots of good uses, though. Yeah, every time I go into trackside, it brings back memories. <laughs> brings back memories. Oh, we have to, right? Because yeah. they just flood back in every time. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. All right, so you mentioned brothers earlier. How many uh, brothers do you have? I have two brothers, one older and one younger. Okay, so you're the middle. I'm the middle. And no sisters? No sisters. So your older brother, did he, like, rough you up growing up? Um, yes, we all roughed each other up, <laughs> but it was all fun. We uh, we never really had any significant issues with one another. We were pretty close-knit family. And pretty close in age, too. Um, older brother is four years older. Younger brother is three years younger. Okay. So close so, enough. Yeah, pretty good at, yeah. Uh, range between the, the three of you. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, are, are they up in Long Island still? No. So um, the younger one ended up moving to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to play professional soccer. Um, the older one was working in New York City and had enough of the city. So he moved to Harrisburg um, to be near his brother and saw that it was a little nicer area at least not city-like right. um, he was kind of more in the suburbs um, so the two of them were in Harrisburg but the younger one has now moved to Florida so if uh, if there are people out there listening that are thinking about physical therapy what advice would you give them um, I would tell them to work hard in their undergraduate years try and major in some type of challenging science uh, courses uh, and get the best grades possible. You need to really, really get as many A's as possible because it's very challenging to get into these programs these days. Super competitive. Super competitive. Yeah. Yes. What about uh, the business side? What would you tell them about the business side? I would do it exactly the way I did it. I think you need to get yourself established as a physical therapist first. I think you need to develop relationships in the community. And then whenever you feel like you've developed enough relationships and you've learned some business things, then you can um, take the plunge and try and open your own practice. I apologize for that distraction. That's my puppy upstairs scratching the floor. That's okay. (laughs) Uh, All right. So you have uh, your your father. Well, you said you've been married 30 years. How did you meet your wife? Um, I met her in the physical therapy program at VCU. So when I was, it's a long story, but I'm not sure how much time we have. No, you're good. I'll go ahead and share. So I graduated from Randolph-Macon with a bachelor's in biology. When I went to physical therapy school back in the day, the physical therapy degree was a bachelor's degree. So I went to VCU and got my bachelor's in physical therapy. So I had a second bachelor's. My wife graduated from the University of Connecticut in four years with her bachelor's in physical therapy. Mm. So she went on to get an advanced master's degree in pediatric physical therapy at VCU. So she graduated from UConn in 88. I graduated from Randolph-Macon in 87, but she already had her physical therapy degree. So she was at VCU getting an advanced master's while I was at VCU getting my second bachelor's in physical therapy. So somebody that I knew that was taking some classes with me was friends with her in the graduate program. And this particular friend of hers introduced us. Okay. So And you haven't looked back since? Haven't looked back since. My wife is the best person in the world. Yeah, that's really cool. She's the best. And she loves Ashland, too. She loves Ashland. She has become uh, an Ashland person. She's become a Randolph-Macon person. Um, This is her home. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. It's fantastic, actually. It's fabulous, yeah. All right, so obviously orthopedic and sports uh, focus for your PT work, but is there something within that? Because you've written articles. 
is there is there a, a deep expertise within I mean I, I feel my expertise is more treating extremities um, shoulders knees hips ankles elbows those kind of things and I think that's probably what I'm a little more well known for in the community okay uh, not to get too specific here but if I have really bad hip pain what would you tell me I would tell you to um, either if you want go to your physician and get yourself evaluated you can come directly to a physical therapist in the state of Virginia we have what's called direct access which means any consumer is allowed to go directly to a physical therapist for evaluation and treatment so I would tell you come to my clinic either myself or one of the therapists in our clinic could evaluate you and we are good enough to realize things that are beyond our control beyond our abilities and I would tell you if I thought it was something that I couldn't handle I would tell you which doctor that I would recommend that you go to for further evaluation if it was something I could handle then I would go ahead and recommend that I treated you okay very cool are you full-time now treating people I am treating patients 30 hours a week okay now you're living your best life right because you enjoy doing that I love I love what I do so I love what I do so um, maybe jumping ahead a little bit but so I owned Ashland physical therapy for 16 years owned Richmond physical therapy for 19 years but the way things overlapped I own my own practice for 21 years for about 16 years I had two clinics um, the Richmond office I sold in 2019 to one of my physical therapists, um, Jeff Gunther, who's actually also a Randolph Macon graduate. Um, so I sold Richmond PT to him, and he is still running that practice successfully today. Um, when I sold it in 2019, I then worked full time in the Ashland office. I continued to see patients 30 hours a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. I took care of all the administrative mm. stuff. This past July, I was approached by a big corporation called Pivot Physical Therapy. Um, they wanted to purchase my practice, and long story short, they made me an offer that um, I thought was going to be beneficial to me and my staff, and I sold the practice to them on July 30th. So the deal for me was that I can continue to treat patients 30 hours a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and still do the things I do at Randolph-Macon, still do some of uh, the marketing things I do with a specific journal club with some doctors, and that's what I'm doing today. And when some a company like Pivot comes in, when they start talking to you, they are interested in your client base and your staff and and the reputation of, of the staff and, and the clinic itself? Um, you know, I don't like to say too many good things about myself, but... You know, I think we have a pretty good reputation in town. We're a very busy, profitable clinic. But not just that, we have very, very good physical therapists that had a very high success rate with the care that we provided. Um, and they saw that, they knew that, and they wanted to be involved um, and purchase us. Um, so they approached me. Uh, I have four kids. None of them are becoming physical therapists. So at some point when you're a practice owner, there needs to be an exit strategy. Um, you know, I was getting a little older and I needed to start thinking about uh, my future and, you know, how much longer I was going to do this. And then I felt like uh, with the offer they made me, um, who knows if that opportunity was going to be around a couple of years from now. So I felt like I had to jump on it and take it. And we're about nine months into it so far, um, maybe a little less than nine, maybe seven, eight months. And it's going about as well as it could be going. That's great. So you feel like your staff is taking care of your, your PT guys? Are taking yeah, care of. you know, I, I made sure with, when I negotiated this deal that um, the staff was going to be taken care of um, at least equal, if not better, to what I was able to do for them. And so far, that's true. Yeah, and hopefully that persists. Hopefully it stays that way. Very cool. All right, I'm going to pivot awkwardly okay. to a question we tend to ask towards the end. All right. Um, uh, we have an occasional co-host who's not here tonight. Uh, his son had a baseball practice or something. Uh, and his question is, you're a talk show host for the first time, and you're in charge of everything. 
But primarily, you get to decide who's going to be your guest on that talk show. There's going to be a male guest, a female guest, uh, musician or musical group. And if you like comedy, you can give us a comedian. These folks can be alive or dead. They can be famous, not famous. They can be people that are from your life or just people that maybe not famous, but um, you're very interested in talking to them. Um, and maybe they become famous because they're on your talk show. So that's quite a few people, I think. It's at least four. At least four. Oh, jeez. Yeah. You, you can start it anywhere you want. You can make a challenge on me to think of one. So a male, a female, a musician, and a comedian. Yeah, and you can skip the comedian if you're not a big comedy fan. Okay. Um, let me think here. So let's think of a male. Could be alive or dead. Alive or dead. I'm sure I'm going to probably think of five real quickly when I go home tonight. Um, but now a male that I would like to be a host to. Um, you know, I, I would always, uh, I would like to talk to a Pope. Mm. If I could get the Pope um, sitting next to me and just kind of hear um, his wisdom about life. I think that would be kind of a fabulous person to speak to. And a rare opportunity. And too. a very rare opportunity. Um, I think as interesting they are, they're just normal people too. So it'd be kind of nice just to kind of sit back and have a chat with the Pope. Okay. Or any Pope. Yeah. Um, female. Um, I'm not sure. You know, my mom just passed away last week. Oh, my gosh. Um, it's been a very hard week. I can imagine. Uh, for us. And I would love to have my mother sit here and just hold her hand and talk to her one more time. Yeah. Wow. So that's kind of an easy answer there. That's the only answer, I think. Yeah. Um, you never, you know, it was kind of, it was a surprise. And... I didn't get to really say goodbye to her, so I wish I could have her here for even just a few minutes to do that. Um, Very sorry to hear that. Yeah, wow. thank you. Um, musician, I'm not a big music person, um, but I might be able to think of somebody. Um, maybe I'll come back to that. Comedian, uh, I'm not sure um, on the comedian end of things. Um, you, you can just go with a third guest period, somebody you would just enjoy talking to, and you can skip the music and the comedian part. Uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. Maybe ask me another question. And I'll, okay. Well, I'll, then I'll, the, I'll come back to it. Yeah, it's all. We can come back. We can circle right. back. Uh, the next question is about your family. Tell you have four children. I do. Tell us about your kids. Uh, my oldest two are twin boys. They're going to be twenty-eight soon. Thomas is married, just got married in September to his uh, college girlfriend, Molly. Uh, they both went to William & Mary, and they're big William & Mary people, uh, which is good for them. They're both uh, very smart. He has a master's in data analytics that he received from SMU. Um, she has a master's in some math kind of stuff, and she's... Uh, so they're both math, har hardcore They're both math. hardcore math people. He um, is in the process of changing jobs as we speak. He does data analytics for Cigna Health Insurance, but uh, will be starting a new job shortly. I'm not sure if you ever heard of Huddle. Uh, maybe Rob has Huddle. People may know it as um, they do recruiting videos for like high school athletes, mm. but supposedly they do a lot more than that. They do a lot of data analytics for college teams and professional teams and they have offices all over the world so he's going to be doing data analytics for huddle he's like love sports played baseball at william and mary and always wanted to get back into the sports world so this is his way to do that um, his twin brother joseph has a house here in ashland uh, and he is a hanover sheriff's deputy um, and uh, does that been doing that for four or five years 
or so. Um, he's uh, works out at American Family, and uh, he's he's a good son. He's lives nearby, so he's always around the house, um, walking in our pantry, eating our food, <laughs> and uh, sitting on our couch watching TV and but taking care of his mom and dad. So he's a good kid. Uh, are your twins fraternal or identical? They are fraternal. Okay. Yeah, they're fraternal. Um, they're very close. Um, they've been close uh, since day one. Um, so it's really nice to see that. And then um, William is going to be 24 shortly. He um, plays professional soccer in the MLS, Major League Soccer, here in the United States. Oh, wow. He um, plays for Austin FC, team out of Texas. He's a goalkeeper. He went to Duke University and played soccer there four years. He just recently got loaned to North Carolina FC, which is in the next division, the second division. Um, so that's something that happens a lot in soccer. These clubs, when they have players that they sign, if they don't, um, especially with goalkeepers, there's a goalkeeper ahead of him. And when you're the number one goalkeeper, you play all the time. So the number two never really plays. And so they've got three or four goalkeepers. He was with Austin all of last year. They kept him in Austin. He trained every day. But this year they wanted to send him out on loan to get games. So he's going to be down in Raleigh playing down there. So closer. Closer, which is great for us. Uh, we'll be able to see him play. They actually come up here and play the Richmond Kickers this summer. So we'll get to see him play That's great. here in Richmond. So he's doing that. That's what he always wanted to do. Um, he went to college to play soccer, and he's one of the few people that are actually doing uh, their job and what they went to college for. Yeah, He wanted to be an athlete, and that's what he's doing. Good for him. So um, he's great. Uh, then my uh, fourth child, uh, my daughter Allison, she goes to JMU. She's a senior there. Um, she's staying a fifth year to get her master's and teaching special education is hmm. her primary emphasis okay and she just loves working with that population has worked with that population for a number of years now and does a fabulous job at it so she's on her way to doing good things with that population it takes a very special person to do that kind of work yeah she she does a good job at it yeah so that's the four of them yeah that's awesome so they're all out of the house yeah besides the last one in college she kind of is around but for the most part at least the three boys are on their own payroll, so that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, when the fourth one's on their own payroll, that's that's going to be a big day for you yes. and your wife. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to that. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right, last thing, and, and you don't have to come back to the uh, the guest. Silent Rob is signaling something. Hold on. And my wife, her name is Jennifer. Okay, we can't forget the wife. <laughs> thank you, uh, thank you, Silent Rob. Like I said earlier, um, Jen is a physical therapist specialize in pediatrics she works at vcu a couple days a week she will see patients um, outpatients in our clinic here in ashland as well um, she keeps herself busy with that she's very very involved with a lot of uh, church related things and kind of always doing something for somebody in the community okay. very cool yeah. uh, do you go to a lot of sporting events um, I, pretty, I pretty much go to everything. I'm on the sideline of all the football games, part of the sports medicine staff. Um, so I'm right there for that. And then I, I go to um, games every weekend and during the week. Um, I go to the training room a couple days a week. I see a lot of the Randolph-Macon athletes in my clinic. So I have to keep in touch with the athletic trainers and communicate with them on a regular basis about uh, how their athletes are doing. So I'm on campus quite a bit. And you are basically at every home game you can possibly go to for as many sports as you can Correct. fit in your schedule, but you're not traveling with these teams. I, I don't. Years and years and years ago, even before Pedro was coaching, I used to travel um, with the football team some. But as my kids started to get into their own activities, um, you know, that was something that I couldn't do. So I don't travel as much. I'll go to the Hampton City football game. Every now and then I'll go to an away game. But it's mostly the home games that I'm going to. Cool. What are you and your wife looking forward to with uh, the kids all being on their own payroll soon? We are looking forward to traveling. 
We're looking forward to kind of going overseas to Europe and seeing other parts of this country, but we're just looking forward to traveling. What's the name of the island again? Olib, O-L-I-B. You've got to get her to Olib. That's, you know, we were planning on doing that just prior to COVID. COVID has kind of, you know, put a dent on that, but the plan is to maybe do that soon. You got to do it soon. That's the plan. Sounds magical, man. It is. That's the plan. All right. Very cool. Well, uh, Matt, I really appreciate you joining us tonight. I uh, learned a lot about you. I learned a lot about physical therapy that I didn't know anything about. Um, my hip question was very selfish. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of figured that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it was awesome. I, I hope your kids listen to this. Out of your four kids, which ones will naturally listen to this and which ones may not get to it for a while i think they all will listen to it um some of them might be a little more bored than others i won't say which um i think they've heard these stories before but i think they'll all listen to it a little bit they've all heard the uh train story i'm pretty sure they have okay it's a good one it is a good one i don't mind repeating that one very cool all right well actually i'm gonna leave with this uh is randolph making gonna win the national championship in basketball this year i would like to say yes it's going to be tough i think it's going to be tough there's a lot of pressure on that team they've been number one for a few years now did they only have one loss this season right they only have one loss um so there's a lot of pressure on them i'm hoping they can do it josh merkel is about as a good a human being uh the head coach josh is about as good a human being as there can be so i really want it for him and for the guys on the team. I, it would be super cool if they could do it. Uh, they have they won one back in the late 70s when they were Division Two. I think. I think they went to the final loss. So oh, Randolph okay. Macon yeah, yeah. has never had a national champion. How cool would that be? It would be fabulous. Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely pulling for them. Yeah, it's going to be great. We'll see. Awesome. Friday night, 730. Uh, Sweet 16. Game. Sweet 16, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm definitely pulling for them. I won't yeah. be there. Uh, I think my parents will probably be yeah. there. Awesome. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.